Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today, and my name is Joseph Curtis. Joining us on the show is Dan Otterson from the Garage on Main, located down in Murray, Kentucky. Welcome to the show, Dan. How are you doing today? What's going on, buddy? How's it going? It is uh, going pretty well on my end here. Uh, I'm pretty excited to uh, have you on the show to learn more about you know what you have going on at your gym facility. But before we dive into the nitty-gritty business side of things, why don't you share with our listeners the inspiration behind becoming a gym owner? Yeah. So, um, you know, first off for me, you know, going, I mean, if we're going back to the original cell of this conversation, um, I was, you know, four sport athlete in high school, two sport athlete in college. Uh, I was that guy in mid twenties, late twenties, blew up weight wise, ended up getting close to about 300 pounds. So was super out of shape. Um, slowly ended up getting back in the gym and I did everything wrong that a person could do. I did every pill wrap drink, uh, on the legal side, not steroids, obviously, but like the, the, it works and all that stuff that you see your high school friends sell because they're trying to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, did it all the wrong way. And then slowly learned proper nutrition, proper training, um, ended up getting a good coach that worked with me for years to get me where I am now. And I ended up becoming a personal trainer mainly because I was sick and tired of seeing people get taken advantage of. I was sick and tired of so many social media ads promising, you know, cookie cutter ways or ways to cut corners or, you know, do this drink, take this pill, buy this product, and you're going to look perfect. And it's just not that way. And the fitness industry is a very lucrative one, um, but it's very cutthroat at the same time. So for me, I wanted to be that trainer for people that I didn't have when I was on my journey in fitness. So ended up working for a commercial gym for a couple of years, had a great relationship there. Um, ended up having some people come along that wanted to invest in me and I had been putting some money back and we just kind of rolled the dice and said, Hey, let's, let's open a gym. And we did it during the height of COVID, which was insane to say the least. Um, but it's been fantastic. We're going on our second year of business. Business has been better than ever. And we've been very, very blessed and we're very fortunate to do what we do. Awesome, man. Awesome. And I always like to hear you know, gym owner's background. So I can not only, you know, gain a better understanding of who you are, but if I can relate and I can relate there, you know, always been an athlete myself here and, you know, have had some mentors in my life who have pushed me to go certain avenues. Sounds like that happened to you as well, which is always good. Um, so let's dive in to the business side of things. First of all, why don't you give our listeners your elevator pitch? So what do you offer to your members? So to our members or to prospective members, we are not a commercial facility. So we're not your standard 24-7. We're going to hand you a key fob. You walk in and you do the same exercises you've always done because it's things you're comfortable with and you avoid hard work. We are 100% one-on-one private training facility. We offer all the same toys, all the same equipment that you're going to find in a commercial facility, but in a 100% private environment. The beauty of that is is when you're there, you are working one-on-one directly with a trainer who pretty much builds out your entire program based off of who you are as an individual. 
So you're not finding a workout plan on bodybuilding.com or some random workout plan online that maybe doesn't pertain to you. We sit down with you. We dive into your medical history. We dive into any injuries, anything that we may have to work around, anything that we have to try to strengthen. And we build a program out to what your goals and expectations are so it's tailored to you. When you're in our facility, we're there with you every step of the way. We're making sure we're educating you. I think a lot of trainers, they, they coddle clients in a way. They load their bars. They do all the work for them. They take the guessing out of it, but they don't teach the client at the same time. I want clients to question me, why am I doing this move? How does this move benefit me? Where should I feel this movement? Where should I not feel this movement? I don't only want to lead the horse to water. I want to teach them to drink. So when they go on their own, whether it's a year, two years, however many years down the road, or if they're off on vacation or they're wherever they're else, they have a, a solid baseline to walk into a gym and feel comfortable and train themselves and take, take hold of their fitness journey. Uh, we also tailor all your nutrition to you as well. We work with you on, you know, movement throughout the week, cardio, if there, if, if there needs to be any sort of supplementation on the legal side that we would recommend, you know, you have. And basically we tell our clients we're as involved in your life or as not involved in your life as you want us to be. If you just want us there to count the sets and reps, cool. If you really want us to take all the guesswork off the plate, we'll do that as well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So that's all through mainly one-on-one personal training, have the nutrition there. And it sounds like your guys' kind of like intention here is to provide the clients with the foundation that they need to move forward in their life, um, which is amazing. That is changing the, you know, status quo of being a trainer or like a gym owner because, you know, so many gym owners are different, but um, great. So with your facility right now, what's the size of it? So we're about 1,800 square feet. We actually okay. bought out, we're called the garage. We actually bought out and it was an existing operating garage when we bought it. Um, it's been in our town since the forties, I think. So it's been around forever and it's always had some, um, we are the first non-mechanical garage, I guess you could say that's been in here. We've had a couple different businesses that have come and gone throughout the decades, yep. but it's always been auto related, whether it was a, an actual auto garage, a parts facility, uh, you know, something along those lines. But I'm very, I'm an architecture nerd. So like whenever I travel, I, I, I hate seeing, no offense to Starbucks, but I hate when like a Starbucks comes in and takes out like a really cool building and just slaps a Starbucks in it. I love yeah. history. I love character. I love depth. I see of, the background right there with like the bricks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So like, I love history and stuff like that. So when I came in, I didn't want to be, you know, a Jamba Juice in my downtown city. I wanted to pay homage to what it was and show my town that, hey, yes, I'm coming in. Yes, I'm changing the the way we use this building, but we're gonna pay homage to where it's always been. And even though we don't work on cars, now we work on people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. I like the way you just uh, worded that. And you know, on business related, how did you guys get this, like the stench out of like gasoline and oil and all that stuff? <laughs> A lot of work. <laughs> um, the first day we came in, I'll never forget this. We came in, the, the, the guy that was in there had taken his, his tire lifts out and everything. So we just had the building. We went in and we scraped every inch of the walls, the ceilings, everything. We thought we had got down to the original layer of paint. And so we primed it and we came back the next day and it had all peeled off. I mean, every inch of the walls, the ceilings, everything. And I'm like, what? Like I was confused. And it just so happens there was an elderly gentleman that was driving by and he pulled up because he wanted to see what we were doing. He goes, that's not the original color paint because it had been, you could see it again. I said, what do you mean? And he goes, oh no, it used to be brown. 
I said, well, this is like mint green. He goes, keep digging, bub. We went through six and a half, like six or seven layers of paint. And in between each layer of paint was a layer of like grease and oil and buildup. So basically like no one ever stripped it back down to the concrete or the block. They would just paint over the oil. So it took us about two or three days of literally scraping, 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 thinking we got down to the original layer, scrape again. And it, it took a very, very long time to really like deep clean it and pressurize it and pressure spray everything to get it to where it was, uh, uh, you know, where it was habitable as a, as a gym facility. Goodness. Sounds like a car, me- car mechanics place. Well, yes. Awesome. Glad to uh, see that it has changed, you know, since then. So let's dive into the business side of things here, you know, sure. again. So one-on-one personal training, hundred percent, um, with about 1800 square feet. So how many people are you guys serving right now? So we have, I want to say between 50 and 60 clients on the books, um, that we see multiple times throughout the week. So I've got myself, I have another trainer here as well. We're about to bring on a third trainer, uh, to our location here shortly. Um, but yeah, we, like I said, general sessions last about 45 minutes to an hour and i try to pack them as much as i can in, in those in those time frames but yeah we're here generally seven or eight in the morning till about six or seven at night throughout the week and a couple times on the weekends are usually saturday mornings we've got some athletes that come in and train with us as well here so it's a it's a full-time gig mm-hmm. it is a full-time gig and you know what have you guys done for like marketing to get those like people into the facility so two things. One, our location, obviously the garage on Main, we're right on Main Street in our town. So we yep. were very fortunate in our geographic location that people would drive by constantly and see what we were doing. You know, we have the garage doors open, people are driving by, they take interest, they want to know what's going on. The big thing that I've been very proud of is we have not spent a single penny on marketing our business. We've never paid for a single ad, a Facebook boost, nothing. What I do and I'm very proud of this is I allow my clients to showcase their hard work and their results. And we showcase that through our social media platforms, through word of mouth is, yeah. you know, I, I, I heard a great quote the other day. I don't provide a service. I provide a result. And that is what my clients showcase is. If you listen to the blueprint, you follow it, you know, within the way that you're supposed to follow it, you put in the hard work and you're consistent, you're going to get the result that you want. Mm-hmm. And the majority of our clients, I'd say every client that's ever listened and done what we've told them to do has had phenomenal results. So I'm very proud of whenever we get to go on social media and we get to showcase, you know, whether it's a junior athlete, whether it's a, you know, a single parent, whether it's a working professional, whoever it is. Um, and we get to showcase them and give them their 15 minutes of, you know, of notoriety and show, and show the world the hard work and where they started and where they've come from. And that word of mouth and that buzz builds because with fitness now, and I think social media and Instagram specifically, it's made social media about, or it's made fitness about the aesthetic. It's made fitness mm-hmm. about, you have to have your six pack abs all the time. You have to be perfectly tanned. You can't look bad. You can't have a pudge and you've got to be branded by every fitness clothing company in the world. Well, that's not fitness for the majority of people. I have, mm-hmm. you know, I have 80 year old individuals who they just want to make sure they can still get up out of a chair and not use a walker. I have individuals who have neuropathy in their legs and want to make sure that they can actually be up and move and play with their family and be with their wife. Um, I have people that have had so many different backstories on why they're here. It's not about the six pack abs and the, the Instagram photo. It's about quality of life. And I think when you provide a facility that strips away the ego 
and just gives people a safe space to come in and train and feel that they know there's somebody that genuinely has their back and wants the best for them. That's what brings in our clientele is because our clientele trust us to get the results that they want to get and to hold them accountable along that process. And to piggyback what you said, I agree full heartedly. Like the market right now is crazy with showing these six pack abs and yep. and all that. But it you have to think a little deeper. Let's just say someone doesn't really matter who it is. Not everybody's gonna have six pack abs. It's just like sometimes it's genetically yeah. not possible to get to that point of life. Um, and really just having an enjoyable life is more important than anything. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, sorry, you mentioned that you haven't spent a singular dollar on marketing, which good job. Good job yeah. so far. So out of genuine curiosity, like, why is that? Okay. So growing up, I came, my, my dad is a salesperson, right? And okay. so, you know, that my, culture, I know that culture very well, grew up in it, was groomed in it. Um, have business degree, business and marketing and sales is my gig. You put me in a room with somebody, I'm, I'm closing. I'm always closing. That's just the way I operate. For me, again, the industry is so, you turn on Instagram and you just refresh it. You're going to see 20 different ads for a product. You're going to see 20 different ads for coaches and gyms and facilities. It's really I've seen, I've seen some of the best coaches have horrible marketing and I've seen some of the worst coaches have great marketing. It's not, to me, it's not about the marketing that I'm trying to put out there to draw the masses. I want quality of training, not quantity of training. So mm. I don't want to have, I see a lot of coaches who have huge books of clients. They have hundreds and hundreds of you know, online clients or in-person clients. You can't be quality if you're trying to shell out to 100 plus people a week. I'm sorry, you can't. Like, there's no way you're giving somebody the same program you're giving somebody else. You're being cookie cutter somewhere. Somebody's getting more attention than the other person. So for us, you know, I, I say this all the time. Obviously, yes, I need dollars to keep the lights on. That's a very, yeah. you know, obviously it's a normal thing to say. But at the same time, I know what my break evens are. I know what my profit margins are. I know what we need to keep our gym profitable in good standing and to make sure that it's affordable for our clients. And I don't want to try to, I, you know, I don't want to try to price out people. I want to keep people in the door. I want to keep people accountable and give people a place to train. So for us, it's, you know, if you build it and you build the right reputation with it, your clients are going to do the, your marketing for you. You're, you're going to, we live in a social media age of people want to post their results. They want to post their photos in our gym. They want to, you know, wear our merch. You know, that's one of the biggest things for us is when people are out and about and they see that, they see our, our G logo that we have, they know what that means now. It's come synonymous with us, you know? So when you have those different streams of kind of grassroots marketing, I guess you could say, yep. it, instead of direct, you know, multi-dollar, you know, advertising processes, it works as long as it's authentic. And I think that's the thing is as long as you're authentic with what your mission is, with what your goal is as a business and who you are and you don't deviate from that, the right kind of clients that want that and will align with you will show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, dialing in on the, you know, grassroots marketing, I think it's great. You know, let's just say I decide to join a gym. I buy their apparel. I walk yep. around. That means that I love that place. So if other people see me wearing that, uh -huh. 
it'll give them the idea of like, they just spent their own money on this apparel. Maybe I should check it out, see what's yep. going on there. So, and the I other thing that we do with, you. with our apparel that's really cool is we actually donate 100% of our profits off of our merch to different causes. I don't make a single dollar off merch. So we do four to five small batch clothing drops a year, whether it's you know t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, sweatshirts, whatever it is. They're always custom branded. They're custom designed. There's always some sort of a mission statement behind whatever it is. Um, and we pick a cause and we donate 100% of our profit margin of the clothing to whatever that cause is. Now, I've had people come out and tell me, they're like, well, really that's backwards because you're trying to do that in order to gain market share or gain notoriety. No, I disagree. I gain notoriety and I gain market share by being a good trainer and taking care of my clients and making sure they're healthy. They have good relationships with food and they don't hurt themselves. The fact that I have a clothing line that I'm very picky about, like I'm, I'm a clothing, I'm a clothing whore. I like looking good. So yeah. I hate bad gym. I can merch. tell with the hat. Bro, I hate bad gym merch. If you give me like a boring Gildan tee, I'm never wearing it. So like we work with really good um, small batch clothing designers to come up with a quality product. I've sort of ripped off the, the flag nor fail mentality on that from Dana Lynn Bailey and her husband, how they do things. I love the way they do a small batch drop and you don't make it to where I'm selling the same shirt a thousand times. I will have a small size run in every one of them. We sell out. It sells out every time. And then we can donate that money. And mm-hmm. that's where I have my heart in the right place. That money is there to help other people. It's not there to line my pockets or, you know, take me down to Miami for the weekend on vacation. It's there to help others that need it. And I'm very blessed to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, back to the marketing real quick, what else have you utilized, you know, to bring people in or just generate, you know, awareness of the, you know, gym facility? So the big thing I would say is the diversity of our clientele. Um, we work with everybody literally from what we call our junior athletes, like our high school kids and junior high athletes in different sports programs to, uh, you know, my last client literally a couple hours ago was an 82 year old woman who was belt squatting in our gym. My goodness. Um, All right. Yeah. So All right, grandma. Oh, she's, she's a beast, man. I'm <laughs> telling you. But the good part about it is, is we don't niche ourselves to one, one singular modality of who we train. And I think that's been the beauty of it is we've done very well always bringing in new junior athletes because of the performances of our junior athletes and how they play throughout the seasons. Parents see, Hey, you know, little Michael or little Susie or whoever, they're not getting tired anymore. Hey, they've gotten faster. Hey, they've gotten bigger. What have they been doing different? They talk to mom and dad, mom and dad are like, Hey, they've been training at the garage. Hey, I need to get my kid to train at the garage. Um, You know, for my seniors clients, a lot of them are, I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, your job, you know, I'm 38, so I'm not a spring chicken anymore. Once you get older, your job is to keep the reaper at bay. So, you know, for a lot of people, it's how do I, you know, maintain that healthy lifestyle? How do I make sure I still have good mobility, good movement, good strength, good bone density? When you're looking at things like that, people talk and they talk in those communities. So they really, you know, they really network very well. And it brings in clients. Um, but for us, we're very community oriented. So we're always finding causes that we can align with that align with our core values as a, as a business and as a gym that we can help with. For instance, um, we actually just found out that we're going to be the host gym for the Western Kentucky Special Olympics Polar Plunge and 5K event they have coming on here in March. I actually saw that on uh, Facebook. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So we're hosting that. So we're very excited about that. Special Olympics is a very, very important thing to me and my family. Um, but you know, getting involved in causes like that and showing a genuine care to help 
and you know, showing people how we can utilize our facility and strength training and helping people in all different walks of life and being aligned with those different organizations. It by us giving our time and our expertise to help those other organizations, we get back, you know, clientele. Um, you know, we hold more people accountable. We have longer retention of clients, things like that. So it works out very, very well. I've, I've always been a big fan of. I, people people give me crap about this all the time. I think it's funny. The uh, Karate Kid 3 uh, okay. with, um, oh, what's his name? The bad guy. He's on the new Cobra Kai show. But he makes a statement. He goes, if you're lucky enough to get, you give. And I've always loved that statement to where, you know, we've been very blessed to build our own facility and make a life out of this. I want to be able to give back and, and not just line my pockets. I want to make sure I can help others spend, whether it's with time or a financial donation or anything along those lines. To, to really give back to my community to show that I'm not just taking from it, but that I'm also bettering it as well. Mm-hmm. And like serving a purpose that is, you know, bigger than yourself, which, yes. you know, which is especially in like a smaller town, it's one of the best things you can do. Cause you know, I, I also live in a small town. I have like 1200 people around me. So it's like right. having that community aspect really is a great thing. Um, well, cool. So we covered the marketing. So walk us through the typical, you know, customer journey you know, from start to finish, where does it start? You know, phone call, text, email, uh, DM, you know, whatever that may be, voicemail. Right. Um, and then where does that go to, you know, paying member? Right. So um, generally clients reach out to us through a bevy of ways, whether it's, you know, directly calling me on my phone, social media, reach out, DM, stuff like that. Uh, we always set up a client consultation initially. I never agree to work with anybody um, blind, basically, as far as not knowing anything about them. Yep. So we'll come in, consultation literally lasts anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour, but I want to get to know the person I'm going to work with. Um, and I tell people all the time, there are certain clients that don't get me out of bed. And I'm not going to lie about that. And I think there's a lot of trainers that will take every client they can possibly get because they want as much market share or they want as much money as possible. Mm-hmm. But there's not a single trainer on earth that enjoys training every single demographic of life, whatever that may be. There are some mm-hmm. people that don't enjoy working with kids. There's some people that don't enjoy working with men or women or seniors or, you know, whatever the variable may be. Like, I mean, you look at Curves. Curves is a business that built a billion dollar industry because they just want to work with women. So clearly yeah. don't want to work yeah. with men. Yeah. Um, Clearly. So I meet with people and the good thing is with the trainers in our facility, we have different backgrounds and different philosophies on how we do certain things. Our core values align similarly, but we have different methodologies of training, different things that we enjoy doing, different demographics we like working with. So we'll meet with uh, the prospective client, get to know, like I said, any history, any medical injuries, um, new, history of nutrition, history of weight loss, weight gain, kind of what what have you done in the past? So I'm not repeating the same cycle with you. And then we try to figure out the root cause of what is it that's causing this person to fail on their own? And where do I need to come in to take accountability and to help them until they can kind of see that right path on their own? Mm-hmm. So at that point, you know, they dictate how many times a week they want to be in the facility with us. We dictate how many times, um, you know, how many times they want to be working out a week total, whether it's splitting time between us and a home gym or us and a, a corporate gym that they're at. And then we get to work and there's, I'm a very crawl, walk, run kind of coach. I want to make sure that you have good bar path, good movement, good understanding of mind muscle connection and really building a proper baseline with, you know, you know, compound movements, proper accessory movements, proper recovery, proper understanding of stretching, you know, cool down, warm up the whole, I want people to understand the processes of everything. I don't want you to just go into a gym and just deadlift 305 cold. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And when then we slowly progressively overload programming over time. So we're always keeping the client challenged in a way. There's no, there's no linear training in the way I do things because it's, you can't get better that way. You always have to have some sort of a challenge, whether it's, you know, different movements, different weights, different sets, different reps, you know, whatever they may be, whatever you're changing. Um, and then our clients, you know, we've been very fortunate that we've had a very high retention rate of our clients. I, I'm there. I want clients to be able to go on their own and be able to have some baseline of understanding and to take care of themselves. Um, so I don't really have like a set time frame. like, Hey, the framework is you're going to be with us for six months and then you're ready to go conquer the world. Um, you know, so, I mean, we've had our, our, say our general average shelf life of a client is anywhere from six months to a year. Um, but we've had clients that, like I said, we've been going on year two now. I've had clients that have been with us since day one and they're still with us. And it's not that they don't know how to do what I tell them to do. It's they want that accountability. They want that person who that one-on-one person that one-on-one is what we all want. Really? Exactly. And the one thing I, I hear from a lot of my clients is, you know, if you work out with your husband or your wife and, you know, if you want to take a day off, the wife wants to take a day off. Well, guess what? You're going to take a day off. Well, if you want to take a day off, but you're paying me a decent amount of money to physically be here at a facility and I'm waiting for you to get your butt out of bed, you're going to show up because you got skin in the game and because you have somebody who's not your husband or wife holding you accountable. My job is not to be your friend. My job is to get you in shape. Now, that being said, I become friends with all my clients, Mm -hmm. but my primary responsibility is to make sure that I get you. Exactly. And to get you to hold you accountable, to get you to show up, to get you in shape. So when you have that, it, like I said, it takes, it takes that off the plate for other people that there's, I take the guesswork away and they show up and they do the, they do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. And you mentioned something there in your consultation practice, which I really liked. It was when you mentioned like understanding their past history uh-huh. with like dieting and, and working out. And I think that is so crucial um, because it gives you like an understanding of where their metabolism is and, yep. you know, where they are physically standing literally. And it gives you the, the opportunity to prescribe them a solution that will actually work for them this yep. next time, which obviously helps with retention. Cause it's like one-on-one personalized approach and having that professional more than having just a friend. Um, and yeah, uh, my next question was going to be, you know, what is your guys' retention process like to keep your members, you know, for the longer term, longer term is relative to each facility. It sounds like you guys have like a six to 12 month. So how do you guys like keep them in there consistently day after day, week after week, month after month? So one thing that we always do is I, I tell people, I'm like, I'm not, I'll framework the training. I want to know your why I want to know what it is. Why are you here? Um, I'm the type of person, I need some sort of a challenge to train. I, I came from the MMA world, did well in MMA and jiu-jitsu for a while, enjoyed it. But then I got old and that's not, that's a young man's game. Now went over to bodybuilding for a while, was in the natural bodybuilding categories, went pro to the NGA. Um, I like food too much, so I don't want to sit there and starve myself for 4% body fat for no reason. Um, so now I'm in the triathlon world. So my, my training now is built more towards speed, endurance, mobility, things along those lines. I can still deadlift a truck, but at the same time, um, you know, I want to make sure that my body functions properly. With that being said, I want clients to know what their why is. And then we work to build a training program to constantly challenge them and reframe that why all the time. You know, with New Year's coming up, I had my clients, I'm like, hey, I want you to go find a challenge this year. Find something you've never done. Put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. Um, and I have clients that want to do different fitness events or do different challenges or do different things. And that 
when I have them come up with it instead of me saying, hey, you're going to do this. Well, I don't want to do this. Okay, well, then that's why, that's why clients leave is because as a trainer, if you just tell them what they're going to do, but you don't tell them why or it doesn't connect, there's no reason. They don't need to stay there. But if I have like one of my clients I had last night, she was, in her opinion, overweight. We trimmed down a ton of, of body fat, got her in really great shape. She came to me and she's like, I want to run my first marathon this year. Okay, great. We changed up her training programming to accommodate more for that. That keeps her accountable. That keeps her more longevity with us because we're working in the framework of what she wants to do in her life instead of me saying, no, you're going to do this because this is all I offer and this is what I do and I'm Dan and I'm going to tell you what to do. It's like, no, what, is, what does Talia want to do? How does she want to enjoy her life? What's going to keep her accountable and active? And if running a marathon is what you want to do, cool, let's train to that. And that's how we operate with our clients. We want our clients to constantly challenge themselves and the training will you know, adapt around what they want to do. And, you know, how can we collaborate with our clients so that they feel heard, understood, and so that exactly. they will ultimately stay longer with us? Um, <clears throat> I have one final question here for you, Dan. Go back to when you first got into the gym business. What is that one piece of advice that you'd give to your, you know, your younger self? That I'd give to my younger self? Yeah. Um, Let's see. Be authentic is the biggest thing I can say. Um, so many trainers. Okay. So many people get into, think they want to be a trainer because they enjoy working out. Okay. I enjoy movies. It doesn't mean I need to go to Hollywood and produce one. Okay. A lot of people just think because they put fit on their Instagram handle that now that they're a coach and that annoys me. Just because you enjoy training and working out for yourself does not mean you need to be accountable for somebody else. That's not everybody's jam in life, and that's okay. You can give, you know, some kind words here or there, some movement advice here or there, whatever. You don't have to be an icon, an iconic role model that's endorsed by every brand under the sun and have supplements sent to your front door and icon meals delivered so everything's taken care of. Be authentic to who you are, what your goal is, and who you are as a person. And that's going to radiate more than anybody will ever understand. I think so many people try to play up an image in fitness to be whatever their niche is. And I think that's the problem is a lot of times you don't even really know who you're dealing with as, as a trainer or as a gym or as an environment or as an energy in that facility. And if, if I can give it, I think that's the one thing that I attribute the majority of our success to is my clients know I will be your biggest cheerleader, but I will also be the one that's up your ass if you're doing something wrong. And when yeah. they know that I'm not just there blowing sunshine and rainbows because you pay me, but I'm also going to be critical to you because you pay me, that's being authentic. And that's being somebody that will genuinely tell you where you stand, what you think, and how you're doing. And a lot of people are afraid to do that in this industry because they don't want to hurt people's feelings. They don't want to offend people. We live in a very PG society. Fitness is not PG. Fitness is hard work. It's dedication. It's, it's consistency. Lit you're literally stressing your body to its max yeah, capacity. Yeah, that's the goal, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it's, it's like I said, it's be authentic and don't, do not compromise your moral values for a handout. Don't compromise who you are because the company wants to give you free merch or a company wants to send you free workout supplements or whatever it is because they want you to change who you are to align with their brand. No, be who you are, 
stay authentic to who you are. That message will show through and you will be successful at it as long as you bring quality products and results to the table. Solid. That I try. Awesome. That was awesome, Dan. Thank you. Um, but yeah, Dan, that is the last question today. Uh, but cool. before we hop off of the episode, why don't you share your uh, social medias and your website so our listeners can find you? Yeah. So my personal Instagram is at ink and fit five Oh. So ink is an I N K cause I like tattoos and fit five Oh. I used to be a cop. So that actually doesn't pertain anymore, but may change it might not. Um, and then our social media <laughs> for the, for the garage um, it's the garage on main. You can find us on, on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. Um, we are much more Facebook driven than we are Instagram. Don't really know why, but we are um, no Snapchat, no Twitter, none of that stuff. No uh, TikTok. Um, but yeah, like I said, we're, we're always available. We always, you know, love when people reach out and, and ask us questions or come in for consultations or want to get a workout in or whatever it is. And we're always there and I'm always there to answer a question, whether it's a a paid client or a paid question or not, I'm always there. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you, Dan, for hopping on the episode today. It was a pleasure speaking with you. All right, brother. You take care. Thank you. And to all of our listeners, you guys take care as well. And don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. And if you want to join us to talk about your gym model, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you very, very soon. And as always, until next time, Gym Lords, out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily Newton. And joining us on the show is Mark from Body Snatches, boxing out of the UK. What's going on, Mark? How are we doing today? Hello, Emily. Um, Good, thank you. And thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, we're really excited to have you on the show today. Now, before we dive into the nitty gritty of what you guys have going on at Body Snatches Boxing, tell us a little bit about how you describe your business to people. And what made you want to start your gym in the first place? I started my gym because I've been in boxing for a long time. I was a, an amateur boxer for 10 years, and then I went in to become a, an amateur coach. Mm-hmm. And I've just, I was teaching boxing in other people's gyms. And then I decided I wanted to open my own gym. Um, I opened it up at a time when it wasn't probably the perfect time to open it because I wasn't set up financially to do it but it, it seemed like the right time. So um, I just borrowed a lot of money from friends, family and the bank and uh, just opened the gym, hoping that my reputation as a former boxer and an experienced coach would uh, help the business grow. And uh, it's doing okay. Yeah. So when did you, I know you mentioned the timing. Um, when did you guys open your gym? When did you open your gym? So we opened in October, 2019 which um, which was six months before we were locked down by COVID. Mm. So uh, 
okay. wasn't the perfect time to open up a business. Um, I don't know a lot about business, but I thought I'll learn as I go. And yeah. uh, that was something I really wasn't prepared for. Yeah, man. I mean, COVID kind of took the whole world, you know, by surprise. Um, yeah. Let me ask you this. This is just a, the question that popped into my head. Do you think that you would have, had you known the pandemic was coming, like basically I'm saying like, would you still move forward with things even though the pandemic was still coming? Like, would you go back and make changes to how things started if you could, or would you just let it be the same? Does that make sense? Uh, yes, it makes sense. I'm in, with hindsight, um, things are normally done differently, but the way things are for me at the moment, I wouldn't change a thing. Um, like I said, I didn't have any money when I opened the gym, and I mean not any money at all. I had to borrow everything. But because of COVID and lockdown, we then was um, I got a bounce-back loan from the bank, um, which I managed to get because of COVID. And I used that bounce-back loan to pay off everybody I borrowed money from to open the business up. So instead of me owning, owing a few thousands here, there, and everywhere... I just got the loan, the bounce back loan from the bank and just paid everyone off. So now I've just got that one payment to make to the bank each time. As opposed to what, what was happening when I opened the business was I was thinking, I've got to pay that person a thousand, that person two thousand. And how am I going to get through this? It's going to be bits here and there. But because of COVID and the bounce back loan, I was able to take care of it all in one go. Yeah. So it sort of was a... I don't like to use this, for exp this expression, blessing in disguise, but that helped me. It helped me pay off the people I needed to pay off, put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you, were able to, you guys were able to do that. Um, so you mentioned earlier that you really didn't know a lot about business before stepping into it. Um, yeah. What are some of the things that you've learned over the past three years? Because, I mean, you've really been kind of learning as you go, right? Yeah, um, one of the things that I've learned is to plan ahead, um, with the, especially with the finances. Sometimes you think um, things are going okay and you haven't thought about how much is about to come out. Um, and there's a lot that comes out. The overheads are, are quite big. Um, and like I said, I'm quite a panicker when it comes to money. So um, having th uh, things in my on my computer that tells me what's about to come out. And although things look good at the moment, in three weeks' time, things are going to look quite differently when the money comes out. So, yeah, just planning ahead financially. Okay. Um, what else? So outside of, of planning, like, what are some other skills that you learned were necessary to keep the doors open and the bills paid? Um, well, the, with running the business, it's the main thing is, um, is how you are with people. That's how I've found the sex the success has come um like i said i was uh, i have got a lot of experience but if you've got experience but you don't have the people skills then you're going to be an experienced person with not many people in um we've got a lot of people that come to our gym that suffer with anxiety and aren't aren't interested in becoming a boxer say but want to train somewhere for mental health or just fitness or losing weight and it's helping them people feel comfortable when they walk through the door um, is one of the skills that I've got I think that helped make the, the gym what it is when I opened a gym uh, a boxing gym I didn't want a gym full of 
it sounds weird to say it as a boxing coach, but I didn't want to have a gym full of tough people. I wanted to have a gym full of nice people that were nice to be around. And because that's the way the gym's gone, it means everyone's welcoming when other people come in that are anxious. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's interesting because when I think of boxing, I'm like, boxers hit people. Um, yeah. Nice is not necessarily the first word that comes to mind when I think of that. No. Well, yeah. a lot of people that train at a lot of people that train at body snatchers wouldn't feel comfortable in other boxing gyms because of the the um, the view like you have about how boxing gyms are. Um, they're very um, very macho, tops off, muscles and stuff like that. That's how people imagine them. Body snatchers isn't like that. Um, it's if if you was a, an eighteen year old girl that came into our gym, and we've had eighteen year old girls that have come into our gym very nervous but they've instantly felt comfortable. Um, and that's the environment that I wanted to create. And that's the environment that we've got. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's really good to hear. So let's talk a little bit about marketing and how you guys are getting people in the door. Um, what would you say is like the best source of marketing for you guys and why? Uh, nowadays, um, things like, social media, Facebook, Instagram works really well. So I, that's how I do mine. We've got Google, but most of my stuff is done through Facebook videos, Instagram videos, and I'm not looking to have a really, really busy gym. So I don't have to constantly try and get people through the door because the amount we've got at the moment is okay. So it's just about keeping everyone updated in how the gym is. And the videos show the sort of people we have in the gym, the sort of stuff we do. And some people are interested in joining and some people think it might not be for them. But um, the social media videos is how we move forward with the advertising. Okay. So is this uh, like paid advertisement or is this all organic content? No, I don't pay for stuff like that. No, I try and do the uh, free stuff, um, just live videos. Um, videos of the um, boxers hitting the pads, hitting the bags, um, the friendly environment, um, and just little videos of the classes and photos. That's all I do, um, and put it on my on the Body Snatchers Facebook and Instagram page. Okay, so lots of videos. Um, so how does that like the content that you're posting? I know that you guys are like you said you're kind of good with like the amount of members that you have. Um, how does that, or how did that in the past, like lead to the members that you have now, the content that you've been posting on Instagram? Um, well, I've got, I've been in, like I said, I've been in boxing for a long time. So a lot of people knew me as a boxing coach anyway. And a lot of people know what sort of boxing coach I am. Um, I don't shout a lot. Um, and I don't attract people who are intimidating to others. So when you open up a gym with that, there's a, there's a lot of people that want to train at boxing gyms that will never be boxers. They just want somewhere to train that's safe, um, where they won't feel intimidated. And I've built up a reputation of, of running them sort of sessions. Gotcha. Okay. So um, let's say that, so do you guys have a waiting list um, since you guys are just like, like at capacity right now? If there were people um, that like, say they're like, maybe like 20 people that want to join your gym within the next month, would you have to like send them away or yeah. you know, put them on the waiting list? Yeah. I wouldn't have, wouldn't be able to accept 20 in at the moment. Um, we do different, 
So we've got a lot of different group sessions. So I've got two separate groups of five to eight year olds, got group one and group two, and they both get three classes a week. I've got two groups of nine to 12 year olds. I've got teenage group and I've got three different groups of adults. Okay. So um, they're all split into different groups and they all get like three classes each. Mm-hmm. So what would you say is like your most popular service? That's something that I think I, I don't think I've asked you about it. Like what services do you offer and what's the most popular package that you have? I would say with the, the adults are the busiest classes because there's three separate classes. There's the amateur classes, which are ones that are more looking to compete mm-hmm. um, or at least train like they want to compete. And then we've got the the fitness adult member classes. Um, so the adult classes altogether, they're the busiest. Teenagers um, is a busy class, but all the classes more or less do the same thing. It's the boxing gym, so it's all based on punching the bag, punching the pads, and doing exercises and circuits. Mm-hmm. Okay. So do you have other coaches that you've hired on, or like who do you have to help you run the business right now? My son coaches with me. He's there every day and coaches with me in the classes. And I've also got some amateur um, qualified, some England boxing qualified coaches that do the amateur sessions with me. So there's a, we're a team. We're a yep. team that do it all together. Yeah, good. I'm glad that you had that support system there. Um, but as the owner of your business, tell us a little bit about what your day-to-day looks like as a, as a business owner. Like what are you doing, you know, to keep things up and running? So the, um, the classes are all in the evenings from five o'clock. So the classes are from five o'clock to nine o'clock, Monday to Friday. And then in the daytime, I do one-on-one training. So people book in for personal training sessions. Okay. So outside of the coaching and the training, um, what work are you doing like on your business? Does that make sense? Um, yes, it does. And, um, I'm not doing any work on the business, to be honest. Um, like I could say, I'm quite content with the way things are, and I sort of hope that they stay the way they are. Maybe I should be doing things to build the business. Maybe I shouldn't be waiting until things drop, but because of how th- we was affected through COVID, um, being shut down for so long, I'm just grateful and glad we've been able to do as many sessions as we can do at the moment. And um, I'm just content to keep going the way we're going. I'm not really hoping for big changes or hoping for more of anything. I just like to to keep it as it is for now um, and see where it goes. Because the the reason I opened the gym was because I wanted it as a full time job to pay my bills, and it's doing that. So anything that comes extra is a bonus. Okay, so. May I ask why um, you're good with just kind of maintaining things where they're at? Sorry? So why are you, my question is like, why do you want to just kind of keep things where they're at? Well, I mean, like where I'm at financially, um, I, I feel safe the way things are at the moment. My outgoings, um, I'm, I'm, I'm controlling. Um, if I took a bigger, bigger gym on, the rent would be a lot more and that would cause me a lot more panic. And I've just got used to it being the way it is at the moment. So I wouldn't want to put any more pressure on myself in order to try and earn more money. I'm happy the way things are. I'm earning enough money to, to pay my bills and everything without having too yeah. much stress. 
I like to have a quite stress-free life if possible. (laughs) Okay, so let's say this is like a hypothetical situation. Um, In an ideal world, let's say that you could help more people and not be stressed out about it. Um, Is that something that you would even want to do, you know, at this point in time? Yes, definitely. If the um, if the landlord said all of a sudden, right, the gym's going to be a bit bigger now, so you can get more people in, I'd say great. Yeah. Um, but if he said, which means the rent's going to be more, I wouldn't be so happy. Yeah. So your thing is like, of course yeah. you got to make sure that you're getting paid, and you know you're you're keeping the the lights on. Yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm money orientated, but I do um, tend to worry about what's going out. Um, and I, I'd like to try and keep what's going out down to a minimum. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. So tell our listeners, like, because I know that you kind of stepped into gym ownership without, you know, necessarily having any experience in this arena yet. But if there was one piece of advice that you wish you had when you first got started, what would that advice be? Um. Like I say, I I don't really know much about business um, and the position I find myself in. I was in a job that I hated for a long, long time. I was in a factory job that I hated for a long, long time. And now I'm in a job where I own a boxing gym and I teach in it and I work there with my son. So it's kind of like living the dream, to be honest. So I don't ever look back thinking, I wish I'd have done this or I wish I'd have known that. Um, I just... I pinch myself sometimes because the position I'm in is is just a position that I never could have imagined. So maybe that's why I'm so content because um, I've been through a lot in the past with bad, um, bad well, the bad job I was in that I hated every day. And I thought that was it for the rest of my life that I'd be stuck doing that job. And now I'm doing this job, that a job that, I, well, it's a hobby. I don't have a job. I just do a hobby for a living. That's mm-hmm. how I say All right, Mark. Well, this is a really good place to wrap things up on this episode. But before we sign out, please tell our listeners where they can find you. So we're in Bournemouth. We're Body Snatchers Boxing, uh, Sea Road in Bournemouth. All right. That's England. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Mark. We really appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast. And really looking forward to seeing, you know, where you're going to take things down the road. So to everybody who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model from the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lawrence out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. 
Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Gym Lords podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Joseph, and joining us on the show is Dave Cripps from Coalition Performance, located over in Solihull, United Kingdom. Welcome to the show, Dave. How are you doing today? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm uh, very excited to have you here today to learn more about uh, you know what's going on in your gym business. But before we dive into the nitty-gritty business side of things, why don't you share with our listeners the inspiration behind becoming a gym owner? <laughs> okay, then. Um... I suppose where you could draw it back to was I'd actually been doing, so I worked as a strength and conditioning coach in um, professional rugby. So I spent um, seven, eight years um, working for a team called Leicester Tigers and did strength and conditioning for them. And then I had my first son in 2013. So he was born. So obviously that, that kind of changed things a bit. And I, mm-hmm. I realized for me that that would probably have an influence on my career ahead. So um, I wanted to be able to, still do what I loved and I was passionate about, which was strength and conditioning. But I realized that the, the way I was doing it at that time probably wasn't going to be very sustainable. So it was figuring on out how I could go about that. And um, when he was, well, I don't know, probably three to four weeks old, he went into hospital for a few things. And, and, and that kind of really cemented the fact that I do need to do something. And what I realized essentially was strength and conditioning is something that although it was pretty in this country, it was pretty much exclusive to professional athletes uh, and people who were kind of performance-based athletes, but there was nothing at all for people outside of that. So Mm. amateur athletes, the general public, yeah, they were probably the people who needed it more than anybody else. So I also realized as well, after years of coaching professional rugby players, they were just, they were just blokes. They were just men. They Mm. weren't, the the numbers they lifted were no longer impressive because it was just normal. And everything around being in a sports team was just normal. It was great. And I absolutely loved it. And I couldn't be doing what I'm doing now without that, but it had become normalized. And I realized that the thing that motivated me wasn't working with professional athletes. It was actually being able to help people that wanted to be helped themselves and had the, the interest, the motivation to, to really buy into, I suppose, the solutions that I provide as strength and conditioning coach. And then, yeah, a couple of years later in 2015, with lots of hard work and thought and consideration, that's that's when when I opened Coalition with just myself at the time. My goodness. There we go. That's a that's a nice backstory. So you started off in the you know professional athlete side of things, had a kid, decided that it was time to pivot, and you still found bless you found that it was more of you know you loved helping people so they could help themselves down the line so now you know you're here with your own gym business love to hear that so um for you know our listening well our listeners you know understanding of your learning lessons so far what has been the best part about owning this gym business and what has been the most challenging part of running this gym business i mean there could, there could be a lot of answers to that um <laughs> for yeah, both of them question um I suppose one of the things that I've always intrinsically like wanted out of what I do is to, to be able to lead. And obviously when you start your career, your opportunities to lead are, are a lot more limited. You can do in small amounts, you, know, you lead sessions and, and whatnot, but I always kind of, I think had an urge to, 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 to want to go into positions of leadership and, and really, I suppose, 
help people who are on the same wavelength as me as coaches be able to develop, get better and really buy into a, an approach um, and really be part of something, I suppose, lead something that, that that's special and I suppose can, can leave a little bit of a mark um, next to my name or whatever. So I think running and developing coalition has really allowed me to do that. It's allowed me to go from just myself to now there's a team of seven of us full time and mm -hmm. to really bring uh, a vision uh, to light, but to do that through having the opportunity to lead people and see them get better, not just the people who we coach, but particularly the coaching team and the people who have invested so much effort into to helping us grow to where we are today as well. In terms of, I mean, in terms of challenges, I, I think one of them is like as a leader, you're the, the person who gives out the most praise. You're the person who gives out the most positive feedback, but you have the loneliest role in the world. You, you're very little often will you get feedback positively about yourself and that's not because you're not doing a good job it's because that's not really the responsibility of your employees or whatever to have to do um so that can kind of mean it can be a bit of a lonely place and i think particularly when you look at the pandemic and the the monumental impact that had on on gyms in, including us because no 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 one no one was good enough where they got out um without any damage if Nobody. they are if they say that they're lying <laughs> yeah and 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 that presented i think not just a lot of challenges on the face of it in terms of what people would expect, but there were a lot of things that we had to provide answers to as, as, as gym owners that had never really been had to be answered before. So nobody kind of knew the right answers and because everyone was in different positions, I think it's very hard for people to figure out what the right answers were. So an incredibly sustained, stressful period as well. So there are some huge highs, but there's also some immensely challenging, if you want to call them lows. And, and But that's true, I think, of anybody who develops, runs, leads a business of, of whatever size. So they're the first two that spring to mind. Yeah, yeah, my goodness, yeah. And I relate to that because, you know, going through high school, I was also, you know, doing strength and conditioning, you know, powerlifting, all that stuff. Um, and I was putting, like, I was put into, like, leadership positions. And it's, it's fulfilling in a way, you know, cause you're able to lead people and, you know, inspire them, motivate them. But when it comes to yourself, it's like, Oh my goodness, I feel lonely. I feel empty right now. Cause it's like, nobody's there to push you. So it really comes down to, you know, how much do you love this and um, how much do you want to continue to lead? Especially with, you know, 2020, that was a, that's a whole different story of, you know, what happened in this industry. Um, so that is good. So let's dive into the, business side of things. So, you know, when someone asks you about, you know, your gym facility and your gym business, what is your elevator pitch? So, you know, what kind of services do you offer to your members? So I think the first kind of quote that kind of explains across the board, really simplistically, what we do is, is we're kind of specialists in being generalists. So our, our youngest member is 11. She plays football. Our oldest member's 92, and he, he certainly doesn't play football. <laughs> um, so we coach people with an incredibly broad range of goals and abilities. Our skill set is to take our skills, passion, experience, and understanding and, and fit it to them to allow them to be able to get to where they want, as opposed to, and again, I've, I've, I've got nothing against people who use other approaches to gyms, people who own open gyms, like everybody's different. But for me and what I want to do and what my, me and my team are passionate about is about trying to provide like the best of something. And for us, that means when someone comes in, we essentially are 
fitting us skills, personality, experience to them, mm. rather than having them come in and fitting them to something that already exists. And that's that really sets the tone for a lot of how we provide our support and, and how we support people, regardless if they are that 11-year-old, if, if they are 92 years old. Mm. So um, based on our conversation before the podcast, you mentioned it's like mainly strength and conditioning, like that approach. So is that held through one-on-one personal training, semi-private, small group? How does that work for, you know, your gym business? So um, we, we use uh, one-to-one coaching. Um, and the reason we do that, I know there's been, um, particularly in the US, that, that there's been a lot of growth in semi-private training. And that's a lot of noise over the last decade in the UK about that being the best approach. And so use a one coach to five people, which I'll, I'll elaborate on a bit more in a second. But even um, I remember speaking to, to Pete Dupuy of Cressy Performance um, mm-hmm. three years ago, and even he noted in the UK and Europe still seems a much bigger demand for one-to-one coaching than there is in the US. And I think there's also some, some cultural differences about how maybe UK versus US or US versus Europe Um see their value in exercise and essentially regardless of even though we haven't gone this way um around about probably 60 to 70 percent of our revenue per month is driven by one-to-one support yeah. um, even though probably 50 percent of our members also do the semi-private model so the semi-private model we use um, um to my knowledge in the uk we're the only private gym or whatever who use this approach so even though we have a maximum of one coach to five people the first thing is they they have their complete own training space so they have their own lifting cage their own barbells their own weights their own bands everything so often have your own kit and it's just like a kettlebell and a band they'll literally have everything but the reason we can do that is everybody who does that still has their very own program so as a coach when we're coaching a group of five people because they're different they're here for different reasons they're following different programs. Now that requires um, a, a kind of a skill set as a coach, which is challenging, but also very rewarding. But it means that we can keep the philosophy of saying that we treat everybody as an individual and we're using the best approach for what they need, as opposed to, and again, I've got nothing against this because I know it works great for some people of having a group all doing the same thing. So that's kind of um, a, a, bit, a bit of an, well, a couple of areas where we've kind of really differentiated, but have worked incredibly well for us. But the only reason we can do that is because we spent a lot of time behind the scenes preparing progressing really well structured um uh, systems if you like but they've took they've took years to perfect and we're still always trying to get them better as well so hopefully that answers the question yeah Yeah, so it sounds like you guys do mainly like a personalized approach to the one-on-one and the yeah semi semi semi-private um so that is good so with where you guys are at right now you know what is the size of this facility so we're, it's always been the same. So um, I, we've stayed in the same place. So it's 3,000 square feet. It's um, double height, but it's only on a ground level. So it's got a lot of open air space, which mm-hmm. obviously helps with sense of space and size. But uh, the, the location of it and the rate that I got the, the, the rent at when I first started seven and a half years ago was just too good for me to to ignore like i think when when you open a gym if you look for the perfect there is no such thing as the perfect location um you will never tick all the boxes required but you've got to hedge your bets and one of the gambles i took was like okay we can grow into it so literally when i started i put three cages in there 
12 meters of AstroTurf that wasn't even attached to the floor. Uh, oh, wow. Didn't even paint the walls. It yeah. was, if you look back at pictures, it was incredibly raw and it wasn't ideal, but what it did show is that enough people, if your service is good enough and what you believe in is good enough, they'll see past that. Um, and that's why I, I, I invest money in great coaches. I don't invest lots of money in great equipment. We get good equipment, don't get me wrong, but I'm not <laughs> going to blow thousands of dollars or pounds on some piece of kit that's going to collect a lot of dust mm. when I've got an amazing coach who's who, he's allowing all these things to, to come to fruition. And then over time, essentially, we gradually filled into that space and, yeah. and utilized it more and more. But it's meant that... Um, the facility doesn't necessarily seem that much busier than it even was four years ago because we always cap. We're either one-to-one or we're one-to-five and mm. people have their own training spaces. So it's enabled us to also keep the quality to what we do. But in reality, we, we, we wouldn't need a bigger space, I think, or we'd have to create a mezzanine if you wanted to grow any bigger. But we're, we're at a point really where geographically, we, 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 it wouldn't make sense for us to try and grow this one facility anymore just by adding more people in, um, which is great, but it has took nearly eight years to get to that point. So it certainly hasn't happened overnight. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I was, I was wondering, you know, obviously it's the new year here, you know, 2023. So what is the main focus for you guys in this year, you know, in terms of growth, whether that may be, you know, potentially more members or, you know, more classes or whatever it may be. What does that look like for you guys? Because obviously each gym is different. Yeah. So, I mean, we, in, in simple terms, we, we last year in, in 2022, well, so go back to the end of the pandemic is probably a good point. So mid 2021, our first aim then was to get back to, to the levels where we were at as a business. Um, the month, the pandemic hit, because that month, at least good benchmark. That was the first mark to hit that, that, that we were able to do within about seven months of them. The next point is then, okay, come, come, where can we grow beyond our, our previous best? Mm-hmm. And that was really the plan for 2022. So to grow another 12 to 15%, which we were able to do pretty much by the end of December. So we're at a point now where we can't keep growing like that. But what we can do is over that 12 months is, um, for example, if, if we took, I always say great coaching, <laughs> You can't have a great business without having great coaching. People aren't stupid. If your service is rubbish, people ain't going to invest in it. So for us, the ultimate KPI, the ultimate metric in many ways of of how good are we as coaches, it is the numbers. It's the business numbers because if we're doing great, they'll be at the right point. If we're doing rubbish though, it will be reflected in things like churn and everything that goes into revenue. Mm -hmm. So this year, our big aim is is to stay at that point that we hit the back end of the year, which will allow us to grow by a similar amount again. But every, like, I think it's very easy to think, and I probably thought this when I used to listen to podcasts before I opened the gym of like, you get to capacity and it's really easy, but it's not because even the best facilities in the world have churn. Mm -hmm. So every month you're going to lose a bit. And every month there's a responsibility to get that back. And, I, I've never felt that I'm entitled to, to anyone, regardless of where we've been, I'm entitled to nobody coming to us and wanting to join us. There's always a constant effort, not only to be as good as we were, but the industry and the, the world moves on and you've got, you've got to be getting better. So it, for me, even though we're trying to sustain that same monthly point of, of members and revenue, that alone is a challenge within itself, but it will allow us to grow. So yeah, that's our that's our aim, if you like, from a business perspective for, for 2023. Yeah, so so it sounds like mainly, uh, what's the word? 
retaining the current membership base right now, but also if someone drops off, just getting more people in just in case, you know, other people drop off. And as you said, our industry, any, any type of business, it's guaranteed that people will churn and, you know, leave eventually, which is heartbreaking sometimes, but it's just the truth. <laughs> um, so we can definitely dive into that. But first of all, I want to dive in like the marketing side of things here. So what have you guys done over the past two years now since the you know outbreak to get people back into the facility? So for me, everything, first of all, boils back to the service, which is essentially the coaching. So mm. over, um, over, the, over the pandemic, we, I, and I fully respect owners who mothballed things and put their feet up because it, it was, you know, it was tough. And I know, depending on what country you're in, there maybe were certain um, legal reasons as to why you'd have to do that. Um, we shut the gym. Um, we didn't train anyone. But what we did do is we worked tirelessly over the months we were shut. So in total, we were shut for six months. Mm. We, we worked as a coaching team looking, how can we, how can we make things better? Um, how can we look to improve what we're doing? And, and that, first of all, meant that when we returned, we were able to not only allow returning members to see and I don't even mean the layout of the facility and stuff like that. We do stuff from as close as we are better and how we organize certain things, not only allow them to be able to see those things to obviously retain them, but it was also again about an opportunity to market some of these USPs as well. The things that we do exceptionally well that other places won't to, mm. to, to bring in new people, but we can only do that by making sure the coaching and the service and the systems are great in the first place. So mm. to me, any type of marketing starts with that from there, of course, word of mouth is a big thing, but I'm also, I think once you get to have been a, a pretty big operation, I mean, we, we coach probably about 220 people a week. Um, at least once, obviously sometimes two or more times, you, you, you're in a position where, well, I suppose, what's the best way to describe it? Um, I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> you're good. Bear with me. I'll get back on track. Um, yeah, so word of mouth is, is really important, but when you get to a decent size as a business, you you can't just rely on that. I'd there are very, very few businesses that I know that can purely rely on word of mouth that are a big operation. There are some exceptions. For example, I know Cressy Performance, Pete Dupree says they haven't really had to spend any money on marketing. The context for them that they can do that is brilliant, but the context of where we work, that's just never going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. Different country, different culture. We, we can't niche into one population, for example. Like, for example, they can niche into high school, collegiate and professional baseball players. We can't do that. So um, the other aspects that, that, that we look into is we, we've always historically done plenty on Facebook in terms of paid ads. The reality was is we've seen over the last three years that starts to become less effective. It doesn't mean it's not worthwhile, um, but we have invested um, in, in utilizing Google more. Um, and again, objectively, we know that that's been a worthwhile thing. But in reality, we don't spend, you know, we spend a month, typically probably what 300 350 dollars on on paid marketing that's it um i know a lot of facilities of our size because they'll bring in like marketing agencies and stuff like that will be spending potentially thousands but we haven't had to do that um but we do do most of the, all our social media everything is done in-house the video editing like everything's done in-house and that's really important for me because nobody knows our brand nobody knows how we work better than us and it's hard for something so personal it's hard to explain it to someone else and for them to put it into words, I think that can connect 
with a potential customer. Yeah. And it also gives my coaching team a um, good opportunity to expand their skills mm -hmm. and also not just be part of the, the, the growing the business on the gym floor, but also about behind the scenes, which has, has proven to be quite, quite a good motivator as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So right now, what types of marketing are you using? Is it mainly the Facebook, the Google? Yeah, well, um, we, we, we always continue over the last 12 months have, have had a constant theme utilizing Google and we've yep. done and not just a lot of that has been driven off um, completely overhauling the website completely brand new. Um, and then from a Facebook perspective as well, we've utilized that small amount around the back end of the new year into the start of this year. But the reality is, is that we don't. There's no point in spending money on marketing for attracting more inquiries than we can deal with. Mm -hmm. um, so the reality at the moment is if someone joins us, I'm having to say it's going to be about a four-week waiting list. So at the moment, what we're doing is serving that need to fill up at a certain rate okay. There's no point in me then going and say, right, I'm going to blow £400 a month on Facebook and have a load of inquiries, which might be good for my ego, but mm -hmm. makes really poor business sense as well. So... It's really simple what we do, but um, we, we've tracked things pretty well over, over the years to figure out what works well for us. But everybody's different, and mm -hmm. I, I can't say that our approach would work for everybody else, but um, that's part of the beauty, I suppose, of what we do. There's no, no one answer. Yeah, and that's the best part of this you know, gym business you know, industry and, and space is that each gym is different. Each gym owner is different. You know, your facility, 3,000 square feet approximately, almost at cap here, like you can't just keep slamming the ads and bringing more people in because you're almost at cap. So what's the point? But let's just say a gym down the road, they're like 5,000 square feet. They have a little bit of members. They can just ram it in. So it really depends. Um, so we covered the marketing there. Let's dive into the sales process here. So walk me through the typical customer journey from first inquiry to converting them into a paying member. So this is, this is actually something that stayed consistent since the first day we started. Um, and basically what it is, yeah, obviously someone will put an inquiry in. What that will mean then is I invite them to what I call a complimentary consultation. Yeah. That is basically 45, 55 minutes. They come along, they sit down on the sofas with me, and I go through a process of the first thing I'm not doing is, is, is telling them what we're all doing. And, and I'm, I feel, my first thing is to figure out their backstory and where they want to go because if i don't know what their problem is i can't help them um, and i can't explain it to them the solution in a way which is going to be it's going to come to life for them that they believe in that they can form trust in so every single person who inquires and set, takes us up on confidence because it's a consultation we'll see and we'll sit down with them now for i know for some people that that might seem quite a long glorious process but the reality is is that it, it's very favorable in terms of if you look at metrics in terms of then how many people from the position of a consultation then become um and it also means as well when we do the first sessions their first session everybody receive for a one-on-one -on -one assessment everybody mm -hmm. regardless if they then go into one-on-one -on -one coaching or they go into the uh, semi-private coaching what it means is I've already wrote down notes about that person in terms of not just like why they're here and their background, but their personality. And what that means then, whoever takes the assessment has some concise, but quite nice detailed notes to run the assessment off because no assessment we do is the same. Like we don't follow like a functional movement screen where the, 
we make things based upon the needs you know probably 40 percent of people who join us come with injury problems we do a huge amount of rehab whether that's for sport or whether it's for the like, general population that requires again a, a very kind of a tailored approach to how we assess someone so it also means then because i've sat down with them and really got to know them and also been able to build up trust and rapport with them when they come in for their assessment I think there are psychologically a much more place to be able to engage in the assessment, see it as a good thing. And also then as a coach, you can really understand that person from the get-go rather than you almost trying to figure it out. So probably a lot of what we do from that to programming and everything else, we put in a lot of effort and probably some people might say, you know, that's a bit excessive, but we're, we're what we do to like a Michelin star restaurant or a five-star hotel if you watch um, programs on what have made them successful, they've got successful because they've put effort and detail in behind the scenes. They haven't got successful because they've cut corners and stuff like that. The whole idea of a premium service is you don't cut corners. Now, obviously, you have got to have efficiency to a certain degree. But for me, what we charge and what people expect, um, what, what we charge and what we what we do and those little things are absolutely critical for not only allowing people to onboard well in terms of from their end also to start yeah the internet just cut out there i'm not sure what happened but um from what i heard it's mainly like it starts with inquiry consultation session and you guys have more of like a higher service approach rather than just like extremely fast and efficient, but obviously it's important to be, you know, have efficiency there. Um, but you guys really want to make sure that the, you know, the prospects feel comfortable with the facility, with the approach, and then you guys convert them over to paying members. Yeah, exactly that. Like uh, the, the, the kind of, yeah, the best way I think to bring to life is that kind of analogy of like a five-star hotel or a Michelin star restaurant if you bought somebody in just to look at the efficiency of that place, they would pick it apart to pieces. Like, why do you spend so long preparing the food? And do you need someone to open the door? And do you re but that's the whole point. It's a premium service. You can't run a premium service with sub premium uh, approach to it. And I think mm -hmm. that's probably an area from, from my perspective where there's, um, there's a little bit of um, a little bit of a challenge for a lot, a lot of gym owners. And I think people who want to help them, yeah, you want to be efficient. I'm all for that. You have to be. But at the same time, you've also got to remember, it's got to be reflective of, of, of what you're providing. And also what you're saying, like if you're saying you're better than somewhere else because you do this, this and this, well, you've, you've got to back that up by what you do. So yeah, a lot of what we spoke about comes down to um, attention to detail, high quality, but that is driven down the motivation and passion for us as coaches and the vision that we have collectively with coalition and everything like that. So yeah. there's a lot that I suppose boils into it. Yeah. So once you convert someone into a paying member, what does the retention process look like? What's like, what kind of systems do you have in place to retain them for the long term? So like everybody, uh, everybody we support, first of all, as, as their very own program. And I know that's quite a, it, that's something that a lot of places will say, but how do they do that and to what extent can differ quite a lot. Um, we spend about 40 hours every week in the office behind the scenes, progressing, modifying, adjusting training programs, whether that is for one-to-one -one coaches or whether it is for people who go into the, the, the more semi-private stuff. And what that, that means for whether you want to call it retention or whatever, it means the experience of that person 
uh, continue to be spot on, regardless if they are new, whether they've been here a year, two years, three years, so on and so forth. It allows us to be able to adjust based on their goals, adjust based on their person personality. It basically allows them to feel that it's a truly personalised service. And because of that as well, because everybody's coached as well, um, it means each week when we're in team meetings and whatnot, um, you know, experience shows you in terms of certain habits and traits people show when um, you, I'm not going to say warning signs or red flags, but when you're aware that maybe someone hasn't been in as much and stuff like that. And, and, and over that time, that's again where personal contact and knowing how to deal with them comes into place. Um, and not so much kind of an automated system that treats everybody the same, because a lot of the time, some of the right answers are quite different based on the individuals um, that you've got. I mean, we track everything we do in terms of retention and stuff like that. And if we've had certain months that, that, that were kind of, it seems a bit of an outlier, we'll always critique that and we'll always look into maybe reasons why. So we will grill ourselves a little bit, um, but that's the reason why we've got better. Our, even though we still use those two approaches, how we deliver them has evolved quite a lot over the course of the last eight years. And that's come from that process of looking at how could we be better? And that's often driven by you know looking at retention numbers and whatnot and, and figuring out what's in place. So yeah, ultimately for us, it's not simple in terms of execution, but our process is, is being very, very personalized. We're dealing with people and looking at them as an individual and, and coming up with solutions where we need to um, and being able to understand their behavior and, and kind of, I suppose, be proactive in seeing things before they happen so we can take relevant steps to essentially help them. Yeah, and I, I personally like that approach, not only as you know talking about a gym business, but as a you know consumer. Because if you feel like you're actually cared for, then you then you're gonna want to come back in, work out, be in that environment, and just stay with them for the long term. Um, so, last question for you, Dave. Why don't you share with our listeners that one piece of advice that you would give to your, to your younger self getting into this gym business eight years ago? <laughs> you've left you've left the hardest question till last, haven't you? That oh, that is a toughie. Okay, so I suppose God, there's so many angles you could potentially go with this, and it's sometimes hard. I think, yeah, sometimes it's hard to think back how your mind actually was back then because I think sometimes you see things through through rose tinted glasses. Mm -hmm. I think um, it was always going to be. I always knew it was going to be hard, and it has been has been as hard. I think probably. I think probably growing as um, from a leadership perspective, I think you, you don't realize the, the breadth of skills that you have to develop and utilize to continue to get better at being a leader. It's, it's a bit like with anything you do, like as a coach, like you're, you're always learning as a coach. I know it sounds like a cliche, but it is true. And I think it's the same with leader. And I think pro probably looking back, Back then, you know, I'd, I'd had a decent amount of full-time professional coaching experience and stuff like that, and well-educated and had some brilliant case studies to start the business off on. But I probably, without realizing, underestimated how much I needed to grow as a leader and how much I could grow as a leader and how that is a constantly evolving process because essentially your coaching team, the size of the business is also evolving constantly, which means... It, you know you, you have to continue to adapt with it so yeah that's probably that's yeah i think i'll leave it at that i think that's probably the best answer i can think of yeah so so get your leadership abilities and skills up there you know before and during your time as a 
what, you know, whether that be a fitness professional or a gym owner, cause that's going to come in handy really well also in personal life too. Um, but Dave, that looks like, well, ugh, it's looking like we are running short on time, but, um, before we hop off, why don't you share your social medias and your website link and URL just so our listeners can uh, find you on the internet. Cool. Yes. Yeah, so I really easy. Um, websites, www.coalitionperformance.co.uk. We're present on Facebook. We're present on uh, Instagram as well. And if you just search Coalition Performance, we'll be there. So you'll see a whole host of uh, weird and wonderful things, but hopefully uh, back up back up what I've been talking about. Weird and wonderful things. I'm excited to look at it too. Well, awesome, Dave. Uh, I just want to thank you for hopping on the podcast today. It was a pleasure speaking with you and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what you can accomplish in the next year or so. Thanks for having us. Cheers. Of course. And everyone else who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. And don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. And if you're interested in joining us to talk about your gym model, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you very, very soon. As always, until next time, Gym Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.